leaders making mistakes and responding in a trustworthy way and trust building way, I think is actually a great reframe or turnaround from this idea of a mistake being something bad to really it being an opportunity to solidify your leadership even further. Hello, listeners. I'm Lisa Labar. And I'm Rick Kitagawa, and welcome to In Trust, the podcast about the most valuable asset for leaders, organizations, and communities alike, trust. Today, we want to explore something that we all make, mistakes. But first, a word from our sponsors. The future is now here, both in the metaphysical sense as well as the book sense. Our new book, The Future is Trust, Embracing the Era of Trust-Centered Leadership is now available in both ebook and paperback formats on Amazon and most places where books are sold online. So go get your copy. We are so excited to bring this reimagination of what a leadership book can be. And whether you prefer a clean tech-centric ebook or the full color photo print edition, we've been intentional in cutting out the fluff to bring you a book full of actionable and practical insights that will help you build the trust needed to help your organization thrive and build a resilient culture. If you haven't got your copy yet, visit thefutureistrust.com to pick one up today. And if you have got your copy, we would love an honest review on Amazon. Trust is better together. So we hope you'll join us in our quest to make the world a more trustworthy and trusted place and get your copy of The Future is Trust. All righty. So mistakes are on the table today and I am super interested in diving in. Lisa, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I'm excited for this one. I think it's a really interesting topic to unpack and its relationship with trust. And I was thinking about mistakes a little bit. And I think mistakes are particularly scary when one or two things are at play. I think one, the cost of making a mistake is really high. So whether it's in terms of potential harm, finances, it literally is costly or time, attention, eroding trust. And I think the second one is the when the cost of owning up to making a mistake is high. And I think that's one that a lot of people face at work and in their cultures. I'm curious for your take on that and wondering if maybe we can unpack that part a little bit. Yeah, I am super excited to dig into the idea of owning up to the mistake and the cost associated there. And I think what I find super interesting about this whole mistake making or owning up to the mistakes is the cost of owning up always really severe or is it also something that we tell ourselves about the severity of the mistake. But I think that also goes into the culture of the organization or you know the context of the situation that really informs whether or not someone feels the psychological safety needed to be able to own their mistake or admit that something went wrong. Yeah, I think it gets to an interesting place and there's a few factors at play in this. And I think it's interesting to look at cultures, you know, what's the tolerance for mistakes or even expectation for mistakes or what's, what's the view of mistakes? Like are mistakes viewed as being failure or feedback? Ooh, I love that. I love that. I mean, I love to think about mistakes as learning opportunities. Yeah. Right. And, and really reframing it from like this, Oh, if I make a mistake, like the end of the world 
is coming. And realistically, that might be true if, say, you're handling nuclear codes or something. But for most of us on a day-to-day basis, it's not probably going to be as bad as you think it is. And I think even in business and work, where you think like, oh my gosh, we missed this deadline or like this product didn't get shipped. Yes, there's repercussions. And yes, it could be incredibly harmful. And maybe it's not as big of a deal as you think. Or maybe this is an opportunity to rethink entire systems that make poor deadlines. Or you might have to think about how you're managing assets or allocations of resources and all of these other things that really should have been fixed maybe a decade ago. I really like that lens of making mistakes as an opportunity or an invitation to rethink because I think that to lenses mistakes as part of the learning process and part of that feedback is we've learned like, oh, okay, this might not work. Let's go and explore other things that will. And even if that's just about experimentation and having a mind to, it's okay to experiment. It's okay to try. It might not all work out. And that's part of the process and part of, part of what we do here. And then there's sometimes where there's, there's errors. But I think it's also a mistake when we're too scared to give something a try and we never do as we're just stuck in this mistake paralysis. Mistake paralysis. I like that. It's the fear of messing up that prevents you from actually doing anything that is meaningful or worthwhile or innovative. So many companies talk about, we want innovation. And in order to do that, you need to be able to make mistakes safely without fear of being fired or being screamed at in front of other people. And so I think what I kind of want to maybe dig into a little bit more is how do we get to that place where it is safe to make mistakes? Because I think so much of it is this pressure we have of we've often seen someone else make a mistake and then they get crucified for it. So then everyone is living in this culture of fear around making mistakes because no one likes getting yelled at, right? Like it's not a fun thing where I'm like, oh, let me, you know what I'm going to celebrate today is being screamed at by my boss in front of everybody. Like that feels amazing. Most people do not enjoy that. And I think it's really about what are the systems and what are the pitfalls that leaders fall into that keep reinforcing this culture of fear and lack of psychological safety. And I think to a point to that is that culture of fear, that that lack of psychological safety, I think also has a strong relationship with accountability. Because if you're really scared to make a mistake when you do make a mistake, which will happen at some point, we all make them, it's really scary to fess up to them. And so I think some of the places where you see accountability being shirked, it's often places where it's pretty scary to make a mistake and get caught in it. So I feel like this is a really, this is an area to look at. And to your point of, you know, how do we make it easier to make mistakes or talk about them? and that piece and what it impacts in, in the workplace. I think if we're going to talk about this and talk about mistakes, I think something that that raises is actually really important to talk about almost mistakes Ooh. and near misses and those pieces. Cause I think there's a lot of times almost mistakes happen or near misses happen. And we're just kind of like, phew, okay. That wasn't catastrophic. Those are also learning opportunities. If we do talk about them. Because a lot of mistakes happen because a lot of almost mistakes happened before them. And nobody talked about those either. So I think one thing I would 
I would put forward is just having this practice, having this culture of, you know, we talk about mistakes. We also talk about our near misses too, and unpack those and look at those as being learning opportunities before they become catastrophic. I love that. I think it goes a lot to what our guest Ainsley talked about on the last episode about annoyances being design cues. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's also very complementary to the idea of almost misses or almost mistakes being design cues because 100% is it actually that your system works and it prevented this near miss or is it actually you just got lucky this time and somehow managed to catch it and if that latter option is actually true then you probably should be reevaluating the system that you're working through in order to build more resilience against those types of mistakes to prevent them from even getting close to being near mistakes. I think too, it's a strong demonstration of workplace being a learning culture when they are looking at those almost mistakes or where they're inviting people to say like, Hey, if you notice an almost mistake, please bring it forward. This is going to help us get better. Yeah. I really like the idea of celebrating people who bring up problems Mm -hmm. because I get it. It's not fun when say you're shipping a project or leading something and then someone's like, oh, by the way, you missed this crucial thing. It's going to crash and burn. And that doesn't feel great. But I would imagine that's a lot better than actually moving forward, knowing there's this critical piece missing and then the whole thing falls apart and everything is for naught, right? It's, oh, this might set it back a week, a day, a month. Or would you rather have it completely flow up in your face? And I would prefer the first. But I think we're often so afraid of even that feeling of discomfort that we try to tamp down on anyone who might be bringing up observations about where things could go wrong. I think too related to that, and I think this is something that's done that a lot of leaders offer from a place of good intent and don't necessarily realize that it may have some unintended consequences along the way. And that's the mantra of don't bring me problems unless you have solutions as well. Yes. And while that has a good intent to it, actually, I think hinders a lot of people from bringing problems forward or they may bring problems forward, but it's not the right problem or it's a very narrow lens on the problem because they've narrowed down what the problem is because they've narrowed down what the solution space is in the problem because they're like, oh, well, I have to bring this forward with a solution. So here we go. And with that quick turnaround, it's not giving the time and the space and the perspective to actually examine and frame what that problem really is. That's a really good point. And in a way, the whole idea of don't bring me a a problem that serves a, a solution I think in a way that's kind of lazy leadership because you're really expecting an individual contributor to just pull their own weight and solve it. But what happens when the problem is systemic and among multiple verticals, among different stakeholders, those solutions are not something that one person just does. That's a solution that the team needs to come up with and implement and enroll probably even other people in. And if you're not aware of that, you're losing out on the opportunity to one, rally the troops in a inspirational way of let's get through this problem together. And two, you're actively 
putting on blinders and discouraging people from talking about learning opportunities. So I want to recap where we're at right now because we already have some juicy things here and then we can go go forward and dig deeper because I, I think there's a few other things around this as well. So making it a bit easier to explore the mistakes in the workplace, building a culture where mistakes are learning opportunities is one, talking about the almost mistakes and building that as a practice. And I feel like the second one that we're getting at here is building a culture, promoting a practice of bringing problems forward, encouraging people to bring those problems or those mistakes forward and talking about them. I think a third one to add to this, I think there's a really important role for leaders to model. We're all humans. We all make mistakes and for leaders to practice that confident humility and be transparent and sharing when they've made a mistake, bring that forward in team conversation or with their peers and saying, Hey, I made a mistake over here. Here's where I learned from it. And here's what we're doing differently moving forward, offering this all all to you and for them to actually model also taking accountability for that mistake as well. I love that. So much of how I think about effective leaders is modeling behavior and modeling a culture that you want. And because we all know that it's very disheartening and trust eroding when you have a leader say, oh, we are a company that is about X. And then all of their behavior shows the complete opposite to that, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, we're about collaboration. And then it's like, oh, don't bring me extra work. And you're like, where is the collaborative spirit here? We can all share the work together, everyone. But I think that's one thing. What I'm interested in talking about a little bit is the underlying reason why leaders are often afraid to take accountability and own mistakes. Because I think it's very easy for someone to say, oh, like own your mistakes. But I think there's a lot of very real pressure around leaders being human and being imperfect. And I think a lot of that stems to the definition of leadership that most people are subscribing to. Tell me more. So in our book, we define leadership as really providing other people the tools that they need to empower themselves and become leaders as well in in terms of making change. And I think a lot of people still hold on to to the idea of leadership as the person in the spotlight or this, you know, infallible... Mm-hmm. I feel like general is a good analogy because I feel like there's kind of this idea of someone leading the charge who isn't killed on the field of battle and they, you know, are some like ancient magical warrior or something who's defeating his enemies. I can see general. Yeah, I can see general. I can see white knight also coming in. Yeah, I think white knight's a great example because there's sort of this idea around the infallibility and the superhuman nature of the leader. And we often do this of putting successful business people who could arguably be good leaders from our definition, but successful business people on a pedestal. And we're not really asking ourselves, like they're driving huge change, but are they actually leading their team in a way that would spawn 
more leaders from there on. And I don't know if that's always the case. Yeah, I can see that. And I think too, sometimes that people come in with that white knight mentality is coming from a really good place. It's coming from a really generous or like here, I, you know, I want to help place. It ends up taking on a bit of that, that hero role, which sometimes is counter to being helpful in these plays. But it's interesting though. I think when people take on that story though, of leader as general or, and not from an authority perspective, but just as transcending beyond human character to it. It brings about the sense of, you know, but leaders have to know it all. They have to have all the answers. They have to execute perfectly. And there's this view sometimes that, well, if you make a mistake, are you not a leader then? Or are you incompetent? And I think it gets into, you know, some of the identity of what people think a leader may be. Totally. And I think there's so many different ways to lead. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the issue is that there is a very rigid definition for most people of what a leader is, at least in the way they identify as a leader. But I think there's so many more ways of supporting others and leading through example and leading through being an individual contributor, right? Or leading through being a collaborative team player. There's so many ways of just supporting other people and modeling a spirit of collaboration, of ownership, of integrity, of of excellence even too, right? Like someone who is just very, very good at what they do, that can be inspiring and has its place on a team as well. And all of these people can lead. And I think maybe we need to get away from this idea that in a group of people, there is one leader, as opposed to you could have a team and everyone is a leader because everyone is truly collaborative. They're sharing the responsibility as well as the accountability and they're taking turns moving forward depending on the circumstance. Yeah. And I I think there's another thing that comes into play though, I think is a story that people tell themselves. So I think it's, you know, it's really scary to make a mistake because there's fear of, you know, how are people going to look at me? How are people going to view me right now? Are they going to view me as less than or incompetent or something that way? So there's a story that we tell ourselves, I think is part of that, that fear of making mistakes or if we look at making a mistake means the opposite of doing really great really quality work instead of part of the process or part of the learning process as well so i think it's that trust or confidence in ourselves that we are going to make mistakes it's okay it's how we respond to those and that learning process and how open then we are you know is if we are acting as leader going back to that modeling it and showing other people like hey i've made a mistake it's part of this process let's learn and move forward from here Yes. And I want to call in that I think sometimes leaders making the mistakes, well, leaders making the mistakes and responding in a trustworthy way and trust building way, I think is actually a great reframe or turnaround from this idea of a mistake being something bad to really it being an opportunity to solidify your leadership even further. Mm Mm-hmm. A personal example is that in one of the workshops that I was coaching, I, for a huge event to celebrate the end of the workshop, I actually had two different Zoom rooms and all of the speakers were in one Zoom room with a few people who found the link and 
a majority of the people in the workshop were in a second Zoom room completely by themselves. And we figured this out maybe 15 minutes into the call. And I felt super terrible because the whole reason why all these people were there was to hear the speaker and they weren't in that room. And fortunately, it all worked out. People found the room. We got everyone else into the same Zoom room and it all was fine. But I took it upon myself to then email every single person who was in that other room and apologize because I messed up. Like, and that's a terrible experience as a student. Like I've been there where you're like, I'm waiting for this presentation. Like where the heck is everybody? You feel like there's ineptitude going on or like technology is breaking and it's just not a great boost of credibility and trust. But by reaching out, the feedback I got from those people ranged from, hey, it's the beta version of the session. We, we expected bugs, no big deal, to I actually was very, very annoyed by this. But the fact that you reached out to me individually to take ownership of this speaks to the quality of this course and the people who are running it. And so this isn't to like toot my own horn, but I realized through that experience that you can take mistakes and turn them into opportunities to further develop the trust with the people that you serve. I agree. I want to give another example that's related to that as well as to how leaders can look at mistakes as opportunities to build trust with their team when their team members make mistakes as well. So I remember I was, I was really young at the time. It's one of my first jobs that I had, and I had made a mistake in not sending out critical information to VIPs, we'll call them, at the time. And so I got some notes back with, you know, people wondering what was going on, a number of things, and they ended up missing. It's funny it's around meetings, but anyway, ended up missing a meeting because they didn't have the information that was out. And there was there was a lot of costs involved in them attending coming in. And I was just mortified that I did this. I I remember and I was so scared to go tell my boss that I had made this mistake. I thought I was going to get get fired on the spot. That was it. And I remember going to tell her and I just I still remember the feeling of my stomach and the back of my neck going to let her know that this had happened. And I remember sharing it with her and she was so open and so gracious and, and where she took ownership too and said, you know, you were new here. I did not, you didn't have everything in place or the checklist or anything else. It's my mistake. It's our mistake. Let's go make this right together. And I could just feel the weight on my shoulders kind of lift off and we're just like, okay, let's make this right and make this work. And it became kind of a lesson for all of us in this as well as to, you know, where do we need to go fix up on our processes or systems? But I also had this trust in my boss at the time that I knew a hundred percent that she had my back moving forward and going forward with that. I had no fear in ever going to her to talk to her about almost mistakes or mistakes moving forward. Cause I knew that she was like, oh, okay, great. I'm not going to sit here and yell at you. That's not going to make any of this better. Let's go and make this right together and figure out how we can prevent these from happening in future. I love that. And I think your old boss is totally an example of the things you can do when people that that's perfect modeling for everyone listening, right? Is when someone comes to you and they're like, Oh, I think I messed up. One, it's coming from that place of empathy of understanding that that person is being so brave in bringing this up, especially in the larger culture that most of us work of fear around making mistakes and 
too then to just say, hey, you know what? Were you set up for, for success? Maybe not. And that's probably my fault. And coming from this collaborative, generous spirit of moving forward together and not making it about who caused the problem, but making it about how can we solve the problem, I think is such a great mm-hmm. framework for anyone who is leading a team or leading a group to model and how to, for anyone who's leading a team or group in order to move forward when someone comes to them with a mistake. Yeah, I agree. And I I just want to emphasize that too, just that practice from a leader's standpoint of being empathetic towards their team members or their peers, their clients, whoever's coming to them saying, hey, you know, I made a mistake here help knowing that that probably does take some courage, but also looking at the context within, within that workplace and what can a leader do to make the, to lower the courage threshold for people to feel comfortable coming forward to say, Hey, I made a mistake or there's no mistake here. I need some help. Or how can we work on this together? Yeah. I love that. And part of that culture. And I think why there's a pushback to that is the idea of excellence. We're all the best here. My studio only hires the best, the cream of the crop. And I mean, that's awesome, right? And and it does set a certain level of expectation of excellence, but that doesn't mean people are infallible. And I think there's a huge difference between excellence and 0% mistakes. Yeah. And I think that is something that a lot of especially high performance organizations need to be incredibly mindful about is the way you're talking about your organization and the people there and separating hardworking, talented, intelligent, generous, caring, amazing human beings from people who never, ever, ever, ever make a mistake. Because one, the second person doesn't exist. And I think by keeping your focus on that second person, you're going to drive away a lot of the first. Yeah, I agree. Or you're going to have people from a survival instinct place masquerading around as the second. Yeah. Which is really exists. And it's, that's grading on people too, to have to always put on this bravado of, of being infallible or being perfect. And it doesn't really lend itself to learning either, or it doesn't lend itself to people pushing the edges or pushing boundaries or innovating because it's scary to go try something new where you probably are going to make mistakes, where it feels a lot more safer to just do the same old proven thing where the risk is significantly lower, but that doesn't necessarily lead to moving an organization forward. Totally. And one quick practical tip that I might offer around leaders doing this is I would say if you're trying to go move forward with being more accountable and modeling this behavior of owning your mistakes, I think a great place to start is just in casual conversation around when someone's talking about something and you don't know it, just say, Hey, I've never heard of that. Or like, Oh, that's really interesting. I've never heard of it. Tell me more. Because I know I would always be the type of person where they're like, oh, have you heard this new band? And I'd be like, I I actually hadn't. And I could just say, no, I hadn't. Tell me more. They sound really interesting because you're so excited. I would be like, oh, you know, yeah, I I feel like I might be familiar with the band, but I don't quite, I wouldn't be able to tell you the name of their songs. It's like, just say you don't know 
Rick? Like, why are you hedging so much and being so like, it's so, I hate that about what I would do that. And I still do that sometimes. So I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like, like, huh, is that this? Oh, okay. I guess I was mistaken. And it's just like, whatever, just say you don't know. And it's fine. Whether it's a thought leader, whether it's a advanced proceeds, whether it's a whatever, just own up. Like if it's a band or a song, like if you don't know about a band, it's okay. Your life is not going to end. If someone is, you don't know this, why don't you? And if they're that judgy, you probably don't want to be friends with them anyway. I I love the playful distinct example, but I, I think that's actually a great way to build up that muscle. Because I think when it comes to that humility to say, we don't know, or that humility to say, hey, we made a mistake, it also ties to to belonging. And we talk about that in the book as well as trust is the foundation to that feeling of belonging. But I think there's that real fear. And we talked about it a little bit earlier of you know, when we make a mistake that are we going to be outed from our group? Are we going to be fired from workplace or booted off our team or whatever the case may be? And that's a really, really scary thought to come through. So just building up those smaller muscles or what feels like lower risk muscles of just saying, we don't know, you know, little things like someone brings up a band or whatever's on on a streaming service or whatnot, I think is a good way to kind of building up to that habit of admitting when we're making mistakes or even starting with almost mistakes and sharing, hey, almost made this mistake. Here's how I caught it. And here's what I learned moving forward is I think is kind of a nice little practice to get more comfortable and to develop that practice as a team, actually, that collective practice around talking about these sorts of things and normalizing that that behavior. A hundred percent. I think the collective aspect of normalization is i mean that's what culture is yeah right is the collective normalization of any behavior or action or thing speech whatever right like that's what makes up culture and so i think by practicing this and trying to do it i think really just intentionally right i think that's the main thing is being focused on how often you know, I know it's being goofy about talking about bands or what's on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, but I think it's really about showing up with intention about, like you said, creating that sense of belonging. And when it's okay, when you don't know things, it's okay. When you make mistakes, that trickles down to allowing people the psychological safety in order to do amazing things and innovate and overcome constraints that they might not have had if they're operating from this sense of, of immense fear about mm-hmm. making an assertion that might not be right. I think another small practical thing to, to share as well or to offer would be to, you know, when you do make a mistake, just to catch a breath. I think sometimes we make a mistake and go right into panic mode from there. And it's hard to think clearly when you're so worried about the past or worried about the consequences of the future. It's really hard to be in the present moment and figure out what to do next. So just having that made a mistake. Okay. Take a beat, assess, slow down, and then go from there. I love that. What you're also doing by taking that breather moment is you're also disarming some of the fight or flight hormones that are suddenly surging through your brain. Mm -hmm. And like you said, 
we don't make great decisions often when our brains are flooded with cortisol, the stress hormone. And so by giving yourself some time for your body to actually break that down and process it, you're going to be less emotional. You're going to be more rational and you're going to probably be able to tackle the problem that might have arisen from a much more tactical and strategic way. Agree. Agree. And maybe just to round it out with three tips, because why not today? I would just invite people to talk about mistakes with their team. Any leaders listening, have this conversation with your team. Talk about you know what it feels like to make mistakes. Ask if people feel okay making mistakes. Maybe share a mistake that you've made as well. Talk about how you want to develop practices around learning with regards to mistakes as a team and start to normalize what this is and start to explore and co-create as a team, the culture that you want to have around this as well. I love that. And I think that might be a great place to wrap up this episode or I could have just made a mistake. Who knows? Well, we'll call it a wrap. Thank you listeners. This is in trust. If you like the show, please go and leave us a review on wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, there. That would be great because it helps other people find the show and we hope to see you next week. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Trust is better together. So if you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with someone who you think might appreciate it and don't forget to leave us a review. The In Trust podcast is produced by Spotlight Trust, where we help leaders and organizations put trust at the center of their work so that they can achieve more than they ever thought possible while adapting to our fast-changing world. If you'd like to get in touch with us, simply email podcast at spotlighttrust.com.